Welcome to the Take Control of Your Wealth podcast. I'm Shauna Perron. And I'm Christy Matwe, and together we help people gain the knowledge, skills, resources, confidence, and inspiration to build optimal and enduring wealth. So if you're ready to create financial freedom, to be able to do what you want, when you want, without worry about yours or your family's future, then turn up the volume and let's get started with our latest program to help you take control of your wealth. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Today, Sean and I are going to talk about something every investor needs to know, and that's the fundamentals of different asset classes. To some of you, this will all be foreign, and to others, it will be a good reminder of the key things to consider when choosing where to put your money. What are the major asset classes? Well, the big ones are real estate, cash, stocks, and bonds. Real estate is like your house. It's often people's first and biggest investment. We're not going to spend much time on this today as almost everyone understands and feels comfortable with it already. Cash is also something else everyone understands. Some cash and real estate are what people often gravitate to because they might not feel comfortable investing in stocks and bonds. And that is exactly why we're doing this podcast today. Right. We see it all the time. People often have disproportionate amounts of their money held in real estate and cash. You might wonder what's wrong with that. The value of my house doesn't go up and down day by day. It's been a good investment over time. Well, it depends on your situation and where you're at in life, but eventually you need money to live on in retirement. But what you have invested in your house is tied up. Unless you sell it, you can't use it to buy groceries. Plus, you need somewhere to live. So unless you plan to downsize significantly, most people need money that's separate from their house to finance their retirement. But you don't want to just hoard cash either, because while you can earn a bit of interest in the savings account, it's not going to generate sufficient return to get most people where they need to be. Exactly. And once people start to accumulate wealth, they often realize they need to take a little more sophisticated approach and include stocks and bonds to achieve their goals. Stocks and bonds are the bread and butter of any investment portfolio. They are sold by companies as a way for them to raise money to help them grow their businesses, and they are bought by investors to help them grow their portfolios. So a stock is often referred to as equity. This is where investors buy shares in a company. You actually own a small slice of the company and are therefore entitled to a slice of the company's profits. Those profits can be paid out on a monthly or quarterly basis in the form of a dividend or the profits can accumulate within the company, leading to an increase in the company's share price over time. Mm-hmm. A bond, on the other hand, is basically where you just lend the money to a company or a government. The company or government pays you interest on the loan, and it eventually repays the debt. That's when we say the bond has matured. Bonds are often referred to as fixed income. So both stocks and bonds can earn income. A stock might pay a dividend, while the bond pays interest. And that income can provide a source of cash flow to the investor without having to sell the investment. The income isn't the full story, though, because the price of the stock or bond can change over time. That's known as a capital gain or a capital loss. Right. So the total return is made up of the income earned, whether it's the dividends on stocks or the interest on bonds, plus the change in the price of the stock and bond. Both the income and the capital gain or loss are important because both determine the value of your account at the end of the day. You can have a stock that pays a huge dividend, but who cares if the value of the stock goes to zero? One big difference between stocks and bonds is the risk associated with each. Stocks are typically considered higher risk than bonds, meaning that they're more volatile with a higher likelihood of losing money. 
To get a bit technical, but perhaps helpful to really understand the difference between the two, stocks sit lower in the capital structure of a company than a bond. That means that a company's obligations are first to the bondholders and then to the stockholders. So if the profits are limited, a stock's dividend might get cut, but the interest on the bond still has to be paid. And if the company were to go bankrupt, whatever money they have would first be allocated to the bondholders, and only if there's anything left, it goes to the stockholders. So in worst case scenario, the stockholders might get nothing. The value of their shares could theoretically go to zero. With a bond, though, there's a reasonable expectation that you won't lose all of your money because the company's debts get repaid first. As much as we'd like to focus on the upside of investing in stocks, understanding your risk and the potential downside is equally as important. So maybe you're wondering, why would anyone ever own stocks if they have so much more risk than bonds? Well, the big reason is that they have the potential to earn a higher return over the long term than bonds. That's because the shareholder has a right to share in the profits. The value of a stock is highly dependent on the company's future prospects and ability to generate earnings, and that has the potential to generate significant capital gains over time. You may also hear people talking about owning stocks for tax efficiency. And what do they mean? Well, this might be only relevant if you're investing in a taxable account, but yes, stocks are more tax efficient than bonds. Most of the return on a stock might come from capital gains, and capital gains are the most tax-efficient form of return. They are effectively taxed at half your normal tax rate, and importantly, capital gains are only taxed when you sell the position. Dividends and interest are taxed every year, but dividends from companies are at least entitled to a meaningful tax credit. They are still taxed higher than capital gains, but lower than interest earned on bonds. Interest earned on bonds is the least tax-efficient. It's taxed like regular employment income. But tax efficiency shouldn't be the main driver of your asset allocation, given the difference in risk and return that we've already talked about. Yeah, so let's come back to risk and return because it's one of the most important concepts to understand with investing. The fact that risk and return go hand in hand. Stocks have higher long-term potential, but are also higher risk than bonds. Yes. And remember that we see people who say they want high return with no risk, but unfortunately it just doesn't work like that. You can't have one without the other. People have to understand that if they're aiming for a higher return with equities, it means they're likely going to take on a lot more volatility along the way. Yeah, there's a trade-off. And without understanding that trade-off or having someone willing to take the time to explain it, the person who asks for the high return, lower risk portfolio is probably going to get one or the other. They might get a bond-oriented portfolio that doesn't fluctuate much but doesn't allow them to reach their return goals, or they might get an equity-oriented portfolio that generates a higher return in the long term, but they might be shocked to see that the portfolio is down significantly in the short term. Yeah, at this point, so you're probably wondering, how do we know how much of each type of asset class to own? Unfortunately, there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. The balance of stocks and bonds that makes sense depends on each person's needs and risk tolerance. Exactly. Factors to consider include how long they plan to be invested for, when and how much they need to withdraw, and whether they can tolerate volatility without having to sell their investments when they might be down. It also depends on what kind of return they need to achieve their goals. There is a lot to consider, and we'll dive into this in more detail in another episode. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, though, for most investors, some mix of stocks and bonds makes sense because people typically have competing objectives, and having a mix also helps mitigate risk. Different asset classes behave differently at different times, 
So when one is down, another might be up, which helps smooth the results or the returns of the portfolio as a whole. It's called diversification. Exactly. That's so, so important. Basically, you don't want all your eggs in one basket. You want to diversify your exposure to different risks. It's why you don't want all of your money just in your house or stuffed under your mattress. You need to diversify your wealth across different asset classes. This often means people need to step out of their comfort zone and understand these other asset classes or have someone you can trust that can help you. Yeah, now turning the table a bit, we haven't really talked much about mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, ETFs, which you've probably heard about. These are really just pools of various stocks and bonds. An ETF is something that mimics the broader market and contains the good, the bad, and the ugly, whereas a mutual fund is generally more actively managed, with a portfolio manager making decisions about what to hold at any particular time. Right, so you can own a stock or bond directly, or you can own units of a fund or ETF that owns those stocks and bonds. When you own the stocks and bonds directly, you usually have more insight into what you own, which might help you feel more closely connected to the portfolio. In this case, you see the individual company names on your reports, like you'll see that you actually own 100 shares in Microsoft or whatever company. Whereas with a fund or ETF, you usually just see that you own, say, 100 units without actually seeing what's in it. That doesn't mean that a mutual fund or ETF doesn't make sense in some situations. It's important to be diversified not only across asset classes, but also within each asset class. So a smaller portfolio that would be more difficult to properly diversify using individual stocks and bonds may be better off in a pooled vehicle. Yeah. One thing to be careful of is that there can be significant fees associated with some mutual funds. There may be ongoing management fees and expenses within the fund, as well as potentially charges when you buy and sell the fund. And that all may be in addition to management fees that you pay to an advisor at the account level. ETFs are typically lower cost, but cheaper doesn't always mean better because these can have significant concentration risk. Yeah, that's right. If anyone remembers the company Nortel, at one point it made up more than 30% of the Toronto Stock Exchange, and therefore any ETF that followed this index had more than 30% of their money invested in one company. Nortel eventually went bankrupt, so clearly not the greatest outcome. We are actually seeing that again today, where there are a few large technology companies that make up the big U.S. indices. So again, people may not be getting the diversification they're looking for, and therefore they might be taking on more risk than perceived. So you really need to know what you're buying, what it costs, and what risks you're taking on by educating yourself through things like this podcast and or by working with someone you trust who can help you. Yeah. To summarize, and we've talked about the difference between stocks and bonds, with the big difference being that the stocks are typically higher risk with more volatility than bonds, but stocks are expected to earn higher return in the longer term. The longer term here being the critical point. We also talked about the need to have an allocation among stocks and bonds that makes sense for your unique situation and the importance of diversification, not only across the asset classes, but also within each asset class to help mitigate risk. When it comes to investing in stocks and bonds, knowing and understanding the various trade-offs can be helpful. We hope our podcast helps refresh some of those for you and provides you with some guidance to help you take control of your wealth. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Remember everyone, don't settle, take control of your wealth. You can find more information by visiting our website, takecontrolofyourwealth.ca or by following us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Take Control of Your Wealth. 
We look forward to connecting with you.